This is Root of Recovery Stories. So excited and glad to be back. My name is Patrick Custer. I'm your host. I'm even more excited to have my guest here today with me, the one and only Mike Rossi. Hello, sir. Hi. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too. We're coming to you from Music Row. This one's been in Los Angeles for or California, all over the place for oh, the past few weeks. Yeah. Glad to have you back. Yeah, man. It's good to be back. It's good to be home. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you call Nashville home. Now that Nashville is home. Right. Right. Well, I always say too, like I'm originally from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in North Carolina. Moved to LA for 15 years and then. LA's so loud though. I knew that about you and I never remembered until recently when we were talking about the North Carolina piece, yeah. you know, like I just remember that like Mike came from LA yeah. and um, so gosh, where to start with your story uh, there. Uh, Let's start with, let's start with North Carolina. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I want to go chronological. Okay. Um, but there's, there's so much there before LA happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your what, family dynamic history? Yeah, man. So, um, I come from a small town in North Carolina, just outside of Winston-Salem. It's mm-hmm. called Clemens, North Carolina. Um, when you yeah. say small, how small? Hmm. Well, when I was, when I was growing up, we all kind of knew each other small. Okay. Like everybody kind of in the neighborhoods, different neighborhoods, you, you knew where everybody was, but now it's kind of grown since I've been back. Okay. Um, but you know, everybody went to the same high school, same kind of preschool, so forth and so on. Um, and it was a great place to grow up, man. You know, um, I was raised by a single mother. It was actually, my mom's from Brooklyn, New York. So she, they made the move and then had me and I was a little surprised. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Um, Were you the only child? No, I have two older sisters. Okay. Yeah. Um, Allison and Kristen and uh, Lucille. Lucille's my mom. She goes by Lucy now. Nice. Yeah. She's from Brooklyn. You know, she Do you talks. love Lucy? I love Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love Lucy. Yeah. Um, I mean, where to begin, dude? I, I. I had a, I had a good childhood, mm-hmm. you know, um, my mom did the best she could, mm-hmm. you know, she, she had to work, you know, three jobs sometimes at a time. Our cars broke down a lot. Um, we didn't have a, we didn't have a lot of money, but we always had what we needed, you know? Um, and you know, with that, with that, I guess, I should start. I was, I went to Catholic school. I think we, didn't you, you didn't go to Catholic school. Did I you? was homeschooled my whole life. Oh, you were? I didn't know yeah. that. I don't know which one is worse. I don't either. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what was that like? Yeah. Catholic school? Yeah. Um, it was, so I went in, into the inner city for Catholic school okay. uh, in Winston-Salem. Uh, it was a small, small Catholic school where my mom So it's pretty much like worked. Sister Act. Yeah, just like Sister Act, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm jealous. You had it better than me. Yeah, I probably did, dude, yeah. honestly. Um, it was an interesting experience. You know, looking back on it now, um, there was only so one grade for each class. So all the same kids, all like 22 kids. Mm-hmm. Like I was in the same oh, kindergarten wow. class, same first grade class, with all the same kids. That's pretty cool. Um, I don't know that it was. 
Oh, yeah, I could see it. Good thing, bad thing. Yeah, Yeah, I think maybe when you're little, because it's familiar, maybe. Right. But then once you get older, there's like not a lot of diversity. You Mm -hmm. know, there's not a lot of different people in different walks of life. Um, Some of my teachers were nuns, you know, and they were, some of them are wild. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I remember this one, uh, Sister Jerry was her name. And this was in sixth grade. And there was this kid, and he was, his name was Steve Smith. And he was, you know, he's a kid. He's talking a lot. And she got so mad one day. I'll never forget this. And maybe it's not going to be as funny as it, to me as it is. But she grabbed his face, and she shook it like this. And he was, I just remember his little cheeks going back and forth. And she scared the bejesus out of him, man. Um, but that's, that's kind of how it was um, with Sister Jerry, anyway. And then there was this, um, there was this principal, and she was Scottish. And oh, wow. Her name was Mrs. McMonagall. And every morning, she'd come out, and we'd all be like on the pavement where we got ready for class, and we all kind of line up. And she'd come out, and she'd ring this fucking bell, ding, ding, <laughs> ding, ding, and she'd go, "Good morning, everyone!" And everybody would go, "Good morning, Mrs. McMonagall." Nice. <laughs> we go to class, dude. <laughs> yeah, there's little like. We used to make fun of it, man, and just have a good time. And, um, but I remember, and I, I feel like this is a lot of people's experience, uh, just in being Catholic or being mm-hmm. in Catholic school, like how much fear there was. Um, and I was always like really kind of scared of God and scared of the teacher. Mrs. McMonagall used to wear these heels, right? And I'd be sitting in class, and all of a sudden you hear the heels coming. And everybody would be like, oh, shit, dude, she's coming for me, bro. She's coming for me. And that anxiety that happened a lot. And I think more for me, because I was a pretty anxious kid. Really? Yeah. But we had fun, too. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd have to go to daycare every day because my mom worked across the street. So my mom worked for uh, the priests as well. So she'd work at the school as a secretary. I would go to school all day, and then I'd go to aftercare um, with Mrs. Bourne. And Mrs. Bourne was an Irish lady. Uh, she was great. But I'd stay until, like, I was like the last, last kid. And then I'd run across the street where all the priests w- lived, and my mom would, like, she was, like, clean up for them, cook for them, get their groceries, kind of keep them organized. Um, and I'd go over there and, like, do homework or run around outside and play. And, um, so I was like, grew up around all these, all these priests. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, some good memories there. Father Kurt took me to my first PG 13 movie, which was Jurassic park. Nice. Um, father Edgar and I used to, um, sit on the couch and, uh, and watch, um, Andy Griffith, the Andy Griffith show. And my mom actually recently just told me that we would both have orange juice with cherries in it. Ooh. The maraschino cherry. It was good. The that maraschino cherry. Terrible. Was Father Edgar had bourbon in his, which oh. I didn't know. Which I didn't know the whole time. <laughs> you know, so we so we'd sit there and watch Andy Griffith and and uh, orange juice with cherries. Yeah, like you know the red, like the grenadine cherries. Yes, that doesn't make it any better when you say it like that. <laughs> so good, dude. No. It's like a little sweetness to it. <laughs> you never had that in your cocktail, a little grenadine. Uh, maybe sure and I didn't did. I don't know um, <laughs> mine, my mind was made more uh, up more of liquor than mixers so yeah. um, just straight up yeah yeah 
I mean, it was I used, gross. I used to do that too, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so what was it spiritually like what you had a good relationship with God or would you say that it was because I know with a lot of Catholics, you know, there's, a, there's some a different tone there sometimes when you mention fear. Was yeah, it's, it, it's kind of like a fear based kind of thing, like mm-hmm. he's going to smite you mm-hmm. um, or, you know, strike you with lightning or whatever people believe. Um, I would always talk to God. Um but then I would also be really scared if I did something wrong. Sure. You know, and think that I was like going to hell. Yeah. It was very like, um, what's the word? It was very just exaggerated. Right. You know? Well, yeah. Cause in that denomination, there's a lot of, I mean, it's like very works based. So like you do something wrong and you have the potential to lose your. Right. Or you get, or you have to go and talk to a priest to right, ask right, for right. forgiveness. Yeah. Right. Um, that would be terrifying. It was terrifying, terrifying. So it, on Fridays we used to do, you know, confession mm. every Friday. We go to church and we do confession. And, uh, I remember waiting in line and being like, what am I, what did I do? And like having to come up, well, I guess I, I'll say I lied and, you know, I, like trying to come up with something to tell what happens if you i've never thought to ask a catholic this like what happens when you're supposed to go to confession you go but you can't think of anything you you just sit there and you say you just muster stuff up i guess i mean we're all sinners right well right. there's something that right. we've all done i guess that's wrong uh-huh um but when you're in third grade you're like, well, I, you know, I wrote on the back of the dumpster with rocks and right. carved my name. Yeah. What is that a sin? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Got, you know? Um, so I think, I think what happened was it was Friday church, Saturday church, Catholic school, all this church, 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 and God, 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 God. Um, and I think once I was like able to not go to church, I did exactly that. When was that? How old were you? Probably when I, probably when I graduated high school, maybe 17 or 18, I moved to Wilmington, North Carolina and went to school for a year at the beach. Oh yeah. Didn't, didn't go to school. Right. Now I get it. It made me think of, uh, have you seen the Barbie movie yet? Uh -uh. Oh, never mind. It's reference. Is it good? Yeah, it's good. They joke about how Ken's job, he's like, my job is to beach. Yeah. So I was going to make a joke about how that was your, that was your job. Yeah, that was me. My job was to beach and and drink and party and Mm -hmm. I never had any money and yeah. Well, did you say that's where you started to, um, uh, cope on, was it unhealthy at that point or was it still just fun and you were being young? I, yeah, I think when I look back now, it was definitely unhealthy. Um, I remember, um, getting pretty sick, um, and not knowing why, like with my stomach mm-hmm. and then stopping, you know, drinking for a while and then getting better and being like, Oh, maybe, maybe. Oh, so you're having physical doing it. When did you start drinking? Yeah. Was it before you went to Wellington? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We start, I mean, you know, we, it, it, small town, open fields, you know, my, my, one of my best friends, still my best friend who's actually sober now and I'll tell you about that story mm-hmm. um later but he um lived on like 75 acres of land um and we would just go out on the land and pitch a tent and you know steal his brother's beer and and start drinking and then a lot of pot too yeah 
pot smoke was really a, a thing in high school, like a lot. I mean, did we? <sighs> I don't know if I should say this. Say it. So we, uh, for a summer job, it was a lifeguard, uh-huh. right? And you had to go to lifeguard training. Sure. Right? So we went to the Y, but every morning before we would smoke. So like I didn't retain anything. And then on test day, um, still, you know, stoned, uh-huh. um, I had to cheat. I had to cheat on the test. And I cheated off my buddies and I passed and I became a lifeguard. That's scary. I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, dude. I feel like nobody's ever done that before. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure somebody has, right? Um, that was just, but we used to smoke. I mean, yes. No, I mean, I'm just thinking about, you know, the people I was a lifeguard too. I feel like a lot of the people I lifeguarded with probably did the same, went to the, oh yeah. Did the same thing you did. Oh yeah. I hadn't gotten, if I had started my antics by that point, I would have as well, but I was still pure. When did your antics begin? <laughs> Way late. Like I was, I was, uh, almost 20, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was a late bloomer yeah. in many regards, but, um, yeah. So what did you, what did you have a vision of what it was that you wanted to do with your life? What you wanted to be, where you wanted to go at a young age? Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, I always loved the theater. I mean, in, in sixth grade, I did my first play. And I remember, um, it's, it's a play called the phantom toll booth. Oh. And I was a, I was like a comic relief character, um, called the weatherman, not the like weatherman, the weather or not man. Right. Oh, okay. And yeah. I came out <clears throat> opening night or opening day. We did it in the gym at, at, uh, at school. And, um, the first line I delivered got a huge laugh and the crowd was like, and I was like, oh my God, that was like my first kind of like, I need this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, right after that, I was like, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, you know, I used to perform in my room. I was alone a lot. I used to perform in my room, music, Michael Jackson, you know, I can relate. Stuff Not the, the Michael Jackson part, but definitely performing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you keep going. You can do that. <laughs> um, you know, all that stuff. And, yeah. and I loved it. Um, and my mom used to take me to audition. Once she saw that, I kind of really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I would go and audition for plays together, you know, when she had, when she had time. Um, so I, right then I knew, I was like, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, so as you, as you were getting older and thinking about what you were going to do after high school, did you have a plan or were you like, you know, what, what was that? How did Wilmington fit into that? Were you like, I'm just going to take a second and then go pursue my dreams or. Well, Wilmington, UNCW, which I wasn't a good student. Um, I barely graduated. Um, so I couldn't get in any schools mm. like a community college. Right. And I could have gone to the community college in winston-salem but dude i was so ready to leave the nest mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and um i did and my mom let me in it was a huge weight like huge waste dude like she was dying trying to pay rent for me like i didn't get a job you know i didn't um i didn't step up in any way i was not mature enough for that at all yeah but but we did it and I did it. And, uh, UNCW had a film school. 
So I thought maybe I could go to this Cape Fear Community College, get the credits I needed, and then transfer over. But that did not <laughs> that didn't, No, sir. No, oh, sir, that man. did not happen. Okay, so what happened after that? What did happen? Oh, man. Well, it was just a one big blur of a year. Yeah. Um, lots of partying, lots of like unnecessary struggling. Um, tried to get a couple jobs, mm -hmm. couldn't really keep them or didn't really have interest in keeping them, you know? Um, and then I moved back home after, after that year. And, uh, I got a job at a place called Tanglewood, which is a uh, golf course. And I did like catering for that. And, you know, um, that kind of multiply the drinking too, because that's all we right. did. We used to take beer out of the, uh, the beer fridge and kegs out of, you know, um, and I was there for a year and just coming in late to my mom's house and just, uh, you know, just doing what we do. Right. And I was always kind of searching for myself on like how to be a man. I didn't know what that meant for me or really for anyone else. And, you know, I think growing up without a father played a part in that for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom kind of had to play both roles. Right. But she, mm -hmm. you know, you, you need a man around to show a man how to be a man, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I got a bright idea and I was like, you know, what will teach me how to be a man and be disciplined and all the things I wanted to be, but didn't know how, um, I was join the military, join the military. You did? No, I or just, this was, this was okay. Idea, right. So I'm like, yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll join the Marines. So I went and like took the test, did the whole thing. And, um, my sister, Kristen is the middle sister lives in LA. Um, and she's about 12 or 13 years older than me. So when I was a kid, I used to go out to LA too and, um, and visit her and she would let me stay for like two, three weeks at a time. She worked on the Paramount lot. Nice. So as a kid, Another reason I was like super interested in becoming, you know, getting into entertainment. Mm -hmm. She, uh, I would run around the Paramount lot and go on all the sets, like the Frasier set when Frasier was still on and like all yeah. these, like, I was like, oh my God, barbershop set. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. I want to do this. Um, and she knew that I was, you know, an entertainer and she believed, you know, that I was talented and she called me up crying. She was like, you know, you can't do that. You can't join the military. You have to at least try to follow your dream. Hmm. She was like, come out here for a year. She's like, you can stay with me. Um, you know, you can have a few months to get on your feet, find your job, please. And I was like, okay. So that's what I did. I flew out to Los Angeles when I was 21 years old. Wow. Yeah. You stayed there until you left? Stayed there until two years ago, wow. almost now. Yeah. Um, so interesting. So what would you say your um gosh what would you say your your uh proudest moments were in your time in la my proudest moments yeah i mean because i know it wasn't all it wasn't all <laughs> no 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 i mean a lot of it was beautiful yeah i mean um i think 
my first year that I moved out there, I got signed right away to a uh, acting talent company uh, called Vincent Serencion and Associates. And at the time, he was um, that is a mouthful. Yeah, he's a paisan. <laughs> he's an Italian. Yeah. Uh, he was Halle Berry's manager at the time. Wow. And he had me come in and he had me audition and like I signed a contract and that I was like, Oh my God, this is, I'm, I've made it. Yeah. I've arrived. I'm yeah. famous. That's it. <laughs> you know? Um, and then he started sending me on these huge auditions and I still had hair at the time, by the way. I'm not, if you gonna, can imagine, I'm not going to lie. I was doing some, I was like, what can I find out about Mike that I don't already know yeah. beforehand? Um, he had hair at one time. First of all, I actually recognized you. I was like, oh, I did see him on, what was that show you were Million on? Million Dollar Listings. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's why I never made the connection. You look completely different. Oh, yeah. Y'all got to Google Mike. Don't. Just go to the Google images, yeah. type, type in Mike Rossi, <laughs> Bravo. Um, yeah, man, I yeah. had hair at the time. And they were sending me on all these auditions I wasn't ready for. Like sitting in front of huge casting directors. Um and, uh, you know, I didn't get anything big. How did that, like, how did that make me feel? Yeah. Um, I think I was frustrated because I think I thought I was better than I was. Mm -hmm. I was kind of, you know, I had that, like, um, that grandiosity mm. of like, what do you mean? What percentage of work ethic did you have compared to the, you know, cause you got your people in the entertainment that's like, all right, this is... I rest on my laurels of being so great. Right. Yeah. And then there's people that work hard everybody's got a little bit of both. And some people are just the hard working is just like up here and there, you know, like, yeah. okay, I've got sense of wealth, you know, where, where, where is your, where was your scale of like work back ethic then, versus yeah. Back then, you know, I'd go to, I went to acting class and did all that stuff. Um, I wasn't doing everything that I could have been doing. I wasn't study like I wasn't studying the business side of it mm -hmm. because I thought I already knew, you know, I thought that I knew everything. Um, and then, uh, I had a, I had a breakup. I was like my first love. Mm -hmm. It was like 22 or 23 maybe. And we broke up and she used to always tell me, she's like, you should be singing. You should be on stage singing. Um, but I never listened to her, but then we broke up and I was like, I'll show her. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, myself and who's now my brother-in-law were, started like playing shows around LA and I yeah. started booking my own shows and, um, started creating shows for venues that didn't have live music. Um, and I got that instant gratification. And I also thought I was kind of like rubbing it in my ex's face, you know, cause I'd have shows and I didn't, I'd invite everyone except for her. Oh, you showed her. I showed her big time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. That is why you got into music. That's how I got into music. I spite Dude, you are a great A alcoholic and I can say that. I get to say that. Um, and yeah. that's, that's amazing. Yeah, man. You know I mean, it ended up working out for the most part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like yeah. you got some talent, my friend. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, uh, I loved it. I loved it. And I, um, you know, I was thinking, I knew we were probably going to talk about this and I was thinking about like where I'm now to where 
I was then too. And like what I really kind of wanted out of it. And I think when I was actively partying and drinking, Mm -hmm. I really just wanted the accolades. I really just wanted the attention. Um, And I enjoyed the craft too, but really what I loved was when the curtain opened and there was a crowd in front of me. I got like, I got off on that essentially. Um, As opposed to like now when I'm like being creative, it's just because I want to be creative. Mm. Right. There's no like, um, there's no intention behind it really, except for the fact that I just, I need to be creative. That's all. This podcast is brought to you by Promises Behavioral Health. If you or a loved one are struggling with trauma, addiction, or mental health, we are ready to answer your questions and help you take that next step. Call our admission center at 888-648-4098 or visit us online at www.promises.com. Our team is ready and waiting to answer the call for help. I often ask people this, and I'm curious, you know, because we all drink for different reasons. We all cope with, you know, our unhealthy you know, medicators and what have you um, through life for different underlying, you know, causes and conditions, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, when you look back at that time and you talk about when you were drinking and using what, what have you, um, and your motivation behind performing was the all the selfish parts that like you know that yeah. which i get i mean like what entertainer doesn't enjoy that at least a, 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 of course yeah no. um what was motivating you back then you know like was there pain and fear that was your your prime you, you know yeah i mean what was motivating me to like get on stage or to be what was motivating you to get on stage what was motivating you to continue because at the time were you like were were you drinking um were you taking in chemicals that were uh, like what was it was it maintenance stage were you high functioning were you yet destroying your relationships and things because of yeah i mean yeah i mean i was uh on stage, I was always messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I got, I got wrapped up in like, that's what I thought it was supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like I thought that if I was in the studio, I had to smoke some weed and drink. You know, if I was on stage, I had to have a few shots before I got on. I had to have a beer on stage with me and like cheers and people in the, in the audience, like, I was really um, living that persona of like, this is what rock and roll is. Mm. And this is why people come to see me, you know? Um, And did you really believe like, as you were doing it, were you like, I I believe all of this? Yeah. Like, this is it. I mean, I, I remember even thinking this is what, this is the rest of my life. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to perform and I'm going to party. What else is there? What else is there? If it only worked, if it only worked like that, (laughs) it kept working. Yeah, man. So fast forward, what happened? Oh my gosh. Um, 
so I, I started performing at a place in um, Los Angeles that was really popular. It was called the Sayers Club, and they also had a venue in Las Vegas. Is that where you and Nikki Leonti were? Me and Nikki Leonti um, used to perform. She used to ask me to come and perform at the W with her oh, okay. at the W Hotel. Yeah, yeah, and um, those were those were great shows, man. Shout out Nikki. Yeah, she's I awesome. Love her. Me too. Uh, and Ryan too. Yes. Um, yeah, that's where I met those guys. Um, Sayers Club was different. Sayers Club um, had a venue in Las Vegas as well, and I got asked to be a performer in Las Vegas. Nice. So then I got my residency in Las Vegas, and we would go down um, on Friday, Saturday, and come back Sunday every week. And I had a bartending job at the time. Um, I mean, I bartended in and out through all, through all the music stuff for the most part. Um, but I made it to Vegas, so I didn't need that job anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's not true. But you, you told yourself like, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, again, that, that moment of like, I've arrived. I'm here. Uh-huh. Don't need anything else. Uh, meanwhile, they were paying me like 500 bucks a week, and the paychecks were always late. And I, again, never had any money and the money I did have would. I was going to say, that's not enough to live off of without, uh, bad habits that cost money. No gambling. I mean, you're walking through the casino. Uh -huh. Everything's free. You're performing there. So you don't have to pay for booze, but you're going to drink and you're going to go spend your money at the, at the tables and you're going to go to after parties and, you know, be the, be the, the rock star, if you will. Um, so that was, that was a wild time. Um, and then I guess if we fast forward a little bit, um, I started making money solely off music. Like that's all I was doing. Um, and I was dating this girl. Um, we were together for about a year and then she became, um, a pretty big artists manager goes by the name of seal what seal kiss from a rose right yeah um so she was they were going on this big tour and she hired me on that tour um so traveling the world with seal and uh we got there we got to where was it rehearsals rehearsals were were in scunthorpe England. Oh yeah, Scunthorpe. You've been there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like this weird industrial town where they they had this big like arena where we did all the rehearsals for the tour, right? And uh Seal came in a few days after after we already set up and everything. Uh big tour. And uh he saw me and he knew me cuz he knew I was the girl's boyfriend, right? And uh he was not happy that I was there. Um I think he thought maybe that I was going to take away from his manager's duties just totally fair now that i look at it right he didn't know if she had hired you she he didn't know she hired me oh yeah so it was super awkward you and seal had beef me and seal had beef i had to do it i had to do a four step on seal my first sponsor was like seal i was like yeah dude seal <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty great oh dude it was it's awesome now that i look back at it all yeah but did you use his last name or just seal just seal i don't know his last wow. name does anybody know his last name anyone seal's seal? last name anybody know seal's last name is seal his real name probably not probably not i don't know 
His name's probably like Kevin or something. No, I don't know. Nobody in the house knows yeah. Seal's last name. <laughs> we're gonna find out before the end of this episode yeah. what Seal's last name yeah, is. Yeah, it's very what the real. What is real? What name? the real Seal? The oh, man, looking at it. Who's Seal? Oh, <laughs> oh Rose. gosh! <laughs> oh, everyone in the studio right now is younger than Mike and I. Yeah. Mm. So, love you guys. All right, so <laughs> you and Seal didn't get along. <laughs> what happened? Well, he didn't care about me he just you know he didn't really talk to me any after that okay um, but what happened was um i think what happened was and i, I don't want to speak for her but um she was in fear of losing her job sure. at that point um so she cut me off uh she wouldn't talk to me um, eventually she told me she wasn't in love with me anymore did we get it Oh, his first name's Henry, isn't it? Oh. Okay, well, there's uh, there's a number of names, and I'm just going to read all of them the way they look to me, and I'm a horrible s s speller. Here. It's okay. I'm not scared. Seal, Henry, Olusagun, Alumide, Adiola, Samuel. Um... There it is. Yeah. Now we all know. Now we know why Seal just goes by Seal because it's a lot easier to say it's than a lot easier to say that I mean, full name. Henry's kind of cool though. Henry's cool too, but I mean, there's a lot of Henrys. There's yeah, only there's one Seal. Henry. There's only one Seal. Yeah. Um, so she cut you off. She cut me off on that tour, and I didn't have any tools to deal with that. So what do we do when we don't have any tools to deal with emotions? We use our other tools. <laughs> yeah, the Jameson bottle, baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and there's always one on the bus, right? So yep. Um, a lot of a lot of that happened on that tour, and um, a lot of it was blurry, and I cried a lot. It was very embarrassing. Um, uh, the, the way I behaved and the way I dealt with that whole thing. Um, so you stayed working on the tour. I stayed working on the tour, but the relationship ended. Yeah. I stayed Awkward. working on the tour. Oh, dude, it was brutal. Oh man, it was it was brutal. Um, I've never felt so completely alone. Yeah, in my life. Um, then on then on that on that tour. Um, and it's not that that like the crew was great. Everybody was cool. Sure. Like, um, but I just didn't. I just crawled into this like weird. I never experienced anything like that yeah. before. Um, did you make it through the end of the tour without I made getting it fired? The the tour. Yeah, I didn't get fired. I should have, wow. I should have just let, like, if I look back on it yeah, now, yeah. like if I were me now, I'd be like, I'm leaving. Right. Yeah. But I didn't, I couldn't. Yeah. Um, too much pride on the line, too much pride. And also just codependency mm -hmm. and just not just the, the, decision-making skills not there not anywhere to be yeah. found um so got back from the tour me and her had a had a place together um in a car together we had a life right um that she paid for mm -hmm. right um and she got back and then i left the dramatic way like ah, i'm leaving all my shit's still there i'm fucking leaving. Ah. i left and did it just like that 
Uh, and I went to a buddy's house and partied with him. Um, and then eventually probably, you know, crawled my way back in mm -hmm. to, to our apartment. Um, and then what happened? Uh, my sister called me and she said, Hey, um, why don't you come over for dinner? She lived like, we live like right down the street from each other. And I was like, sweet. So I just walked um, over to her house and I opened the door and right there is my best friend I was telling you about. His, his name's Anderson. Um, and Anderson, I saw him and I knew he had a year sober. So I'll rewind for a second. He lived with me in LA. Okay. He moved back to North Carolina to, to get better. Okay. Um, but he was visiting with his girlfriend and they surprised me and I saw him and everybody like had their cameras out, like, like, Oh my God. And I just started crying and, um, I hugged him really hard and everybody kind of slowly put their phones mm -hmm. away. <laughs> like what is going on? <laughs> um, and I think in that moment, I just knew, you know, um, and we went to dinner and, uh, I got offered drinks and I didn't, I didn't take any, um, and then Anderson and I went for a, like a long walk. Uh, I'll never forget down, down Fairfax Boulevard by the, by the Grove. It's called, it's an outdoor mall. In oh, yeah. LA. Um, and we're just talking and he just kind of casually was like, Hey man, I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go to some AA meetings in LA cause I've never got to go to one. And I was like, Oh, that's cool, man. I was like, why don't, why don't I come with you and support you in that? I'd love to, love to support you support system yeah um that next morning we woke up at he picked me up at like 6 30 in the morning i had never been up to, i mean i hadn't been up that early since mm -hmm. i couldn't remember i slept till one or two every day right right picked me up we went to this coffee shop and in the back there was a little theater there was a bunch of chairs and we sat down and he was like he's like hey man look you don't have to say you're an alcoholic you don't have to say anything just say you're here to visit um so that's what I did. And there's a bunch of people in the morning, they're laughing and having like having the time of their lives at 7am. And I was like, these people are fucking weird. Um, but I sat through it and he was like, I, I think I'm going to go to that one again tomorrow. And I was like, Oh dude, I'll come with you. And, uh, the next day I raised my hand and identified as an alcoholic. And that was April 16th, 2018. I haven't had a drink or a drug since. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. It's wild. Took me a little longer past my first meeting to yeah. actually identify. Yeah. Um takes what it takes. It takes what it takes, man. Yeah. I don't I don't know. It was some I knew I knew that I wanted to quit. Um, I would, I, you know, we all tried, right. I would stop sure. for two weeks, three weeks, whatever. And I'd be like, this is the version of myself that I like the best. Mm -hmm. Like I wake up a little bit earlier, I'm going to the gym, like I'm present. Um, but then all of a sudden I'd be like, ah, I'll have a drink. Right. And then I go on like crazy bender and party. Right. Um, so I just didn't know how, and I just wanted to know how. And when you were, so when you were, before you got sober, was it bender, sober up, bender, sober up, or was were, was there a consistent, like, did you have a base level that you were regularly, like, and then the benders thrown in, thrown in there? It wasn't that consistent. Okay. To be honest, it was like, 
when I was performing and out, yes. Um, but then some nights, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do anything. Maybe I'd smoke a little or something. Um, what got really bad was towards the end, every time I'd drink, I'd start to do some other stuff, some, sure. some other chemical stuff. Um, and then that kind of took its own a life of its own for a little while. What were some of the consequences that stick out to you that, you know, the life that you were living, um, that either then, or you look back now and they were kind of, uh, red flags that somehow you knew, um, cause we all have those like subconsciously or not that are kind of motivating us in a, in a way to say, you know, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Yeah. I think for me, most, I mean, dude, I got so lucky. Like I, I never went to jail. I never got a DUI. What? Um, I used to drink and drive all the time, all the time. That's Uh, crazy. LA cops love to pull you over just for like nothing. Dude, I got so lucky. I don't, I mean, it's, it's all I can wrap it up to be is that God was like, this is not the way I want you to go. Mm. Um, other than that, I have no idea. I should have gotten caught many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could have hurt a lot of people too. Um, I think the consequences were, um, I, I wasn't a present brother. I wasn't a present son. Um, I wasn't a man of my word. I didn't know how to be. Um, I didn't know that it was important that if you say something, then you do it. Like, I didn't think that was, I can relate to that. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Um, I, the, the way I treated girls, you know, um, was terrible. Um, the, the, I think the consequence, the, the consequences were all came back on, on me because every time I tried, every time I did something wrong, I would try to cover it up with more. Um, and I was like killing myself, dude. Sure. You know, um, not to mention all the events that I, that I had to make and, and relationships that, um, I ruined. And there's probably some relationships out there still that I, you know, probably don't remember <laughs> that I probably owe an amends to, Same, you know? <laughs> yeah. I had to just do some living amends to some unknowns that, uh, yeah. 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 yeah we just try to like, not treat people how we used to treat them. Like, yeah. I mean, I pretty much treated everybody the same way. So, um, what did you get? What did, when you got sober, what, what, how did your life change? Oh man. Um, it, it happened for me pretty fast. Like I, um, I got sober, me and that girl from the seal show, uh, decided to, split. Um, I moved out, moved in with a buddy at the time. And, um, I immediately got a job as a production manager for a Netflix TV show in New York. So I was off to New York for like a month and made like a good chunk of change, which in turn got me to be able to get my own place, uh, which was a studio apartment, you know, but it was mine and I loved it. And, um, that was, that was like early, early sobriety. And I think, from that happening, not to mention the, the, the serenity that I got. I remember this. I would, I, I remember hearing joyous, happy, free 
Mm. And I was like, that sounds like what I want, right? So I'd go to a meeting at, at 7 a.m. and then I didn't have a car, so I'd walk to a CrossFit gym. And every morning that we did that, it would we'd be on the rowers. And every morning I'd just be like, joy is happy, free, joy is happy, free, joy is happy, free. And just, that was like my mantra. Yeah. Um, and I, I did the steps, like I got right into it. I took suggestions. Um, I just wanted it so bad. Yeah. I just wanted that, that peace, that, that anxiety was killing me, man. So, did it come? Yeah. Yeah, it came. It's still here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's still here. It's, it's, it's been the best experience of my life. Mm. What are some of the hardest struggles that you, uh, faced, you know, that you didn't expect in sobriety that you've had to overcome? I think, you know, breakups, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, losing people, you know, that, that are like us that don't, don't get it. I was just, I was just at a guy's funeral. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, having to, when life is coming at you as it does, mm -hmm. having to take, take that in and, and sit with all that stuff and sit with it. Right. And, just be like, all right, well, this is, this is the feeling right now and there's nothing I can do about it. Right. I think that's, that's still difficult for me sometimes in trying to manage what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it and all these things yeah. as opposed to just feeling it. It's not easy. No, but it's worth it. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, what advice would you have for the, the people that are listening or watching, uh, this episode, uh, have identified with any part of your story? Um, you know, what encouragement would you like to give them? Um, just, just do it. Like if you're, if you're thinking about it, probably should do it. Yeah. Um, and, and do it fearlessly. Like when you're out there and you're drinking and partying and drugging and doing all that stuff, you're, you're pretty fearless. If you can apply that same fearlessness to your recovery, um, and just jump in with both feet, like head first, even that would be my, my greatest, my greatest advice. And, and, you know, take suggestions from people that have more time than you because mm -hmm. they're doing something right. Mike, that's, that's really good. Apply that same fearlessness that we had in addition to sobriety. Because yeah. I can't tell you how much I let fear rule my decision-making in sobriety. Yeah. I can, I mean like that's, that's, that's a nugget of truth I'm going to take with me. That's good. Um, really true uh on a lighter note before we wrap up i yeah. want to talk a little bit about your million dollar listing days <laughs> yeah <laughs> we man after we can't just skip over let's it. talk about it okay dude. so what years what years was that oh my god um 
Dude, I don't I don't even remember the years. I was I can tell you what I, I okay, so I think so I was uh like I was an assistant to Josh and Matt Altman. They're brothers who are real estate agents and we were buddies. Um and they used to like hire me to come watch their houses or even like sit at a house. I got stories about that for days too. We can, I can tell you about okay. Penelope Cruz is part of one story. Um, Wait, are we going to tell it now or later? We can do That's up to you. I'm just kidding. Okay. okay. Um, so Josh and Matt, so Josh um, started becoming this and he still is, it's really successful real estate agent. So he got offered this show and he had never been on TV or anything. And he felt like he kind of needed like a little sidekick. So he asked me to do it. And I was like, dude, absolutely. Um, so we did the, the, you know, the Josh and Mikey show, um, on Bravo and I would just come in and like, just be silly. And they, they kind of let me just go and like improvise, which was a lot of fun. But I, I think I started, I had, I always go by like when I had hair. So I was probably 24 when I started that show. And I think I did five seasons. And then I just did a couple seasons right before I, I left LA too on, on, we did some YouTube stuff, but, um, we had a good time, man. Yeah. Yeah. We had a good time. What's your favorite part about doing the show? Well, at that time when I was still drinking, it was about being famous. Mm. That's what I wanted. Um, but fast forward and I got sober, um, it was more about the experience that Josh and I had and the chemistry we had and how we, you know, we talk shit and have fun. And, and these houses that he's selling are like insane. Yeah. Like insane. That's why people love the show. Yeah. And all that stuff, like he, those are all his houses. Like there was some made up stuff between on reality TV. (laughs) Sorry guys. Reality TV isn't real. (laughs) Um, but the houses that he sold real and the way he sells and, and how successful he is, is real. Um, but all the drama and stuff is not, it's not real. No, sorry. Okay. How many times is the most that you ever had to redo a scene? Probably, probably seven or eight times. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause we'd come in and we start cracking up. Right. You know, and nothing, it's not like we had a script. It was all just improvised. Yeah. So we would think about the scene before cause we want to make it funny. And then we'd say something and be like, no, 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 no. Cut that. Cause that's not how Josh wanted to be portrayed if, sure. you know, or whatever. Um, so man, we do it as many times as until we felt good about it. Yeah. I love to ask people that have been on reality TV that yeah. question. Oh yeah. The most I've ever gotten, the, the, the highest number was from a housewife. She told me 11 times. I was like, what? Yeah. That's a lot. And that's when production cuts it. Cause they don't like, yeah. uh, they're like, no, mm, go back outside and come in and let's just, just do it again. Cause they want to see how you're going to react a little bit differently. Yeah. And- yeah. They want you to, you know, they want you to react as best, like as real as you possibly can, but you know, like, with some drama. Yeah. Like you're walking into a house and they're filming you. It's yeah. not like they ask you to redo it. Yeah. Got to get different angles. You got to get the B side. Of course. So, yeah. All right. If you had to, um, so that's a number of years of being in the Bravo family. Yeah. All right. If you had to be, uh, picked up from the airport by, <laughs> and then you have to take the brothers out of it 
any of the other Bravo stars. Oh, cast Josh Flagg. He, he's who you'd want to pick you up oh, in the airport. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If you uh, had to go on vacation with five Bravo liberties, which five? And it can't be the brothers or Josh Flagg. Dude, I don't even, I feel like that's the only people I know on Bravo. Wow. I didn't watch. I never watched. What? <laughs> I never watched. You're the first person from Bravo to ever admit that to me. Yeah, I never watched. I'm just I'm, kidding. Yeah. That's what I say here. What about the host, Andy? Yeah, he's seems pretty like, fun. He's like a nice guy. I mean, I say that like we're friends. Yeah. I think he's probably a fun guy. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Right? If this ever happens, you can take me, Andy, Josh, and the brothers. We'll go. And we'll Flag. Go. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. That's a plan, dude. Sounds good. Yeah. That'll never happen, but it's more likely for me and you to just probably hang. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, awesome. This has been a great episode. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. It was great. I'm great. I'm so glad that you're here in Nashville. You followed your heart. You've, you're healthy. We're in each other's lives. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm so glad for your story. So thanks for letting us share it. Thank you. Awesome. Happy to. With that, Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Rooted Recovery Stories. And I'll remind you and everyone listening, watching, however you're tuning in, that it's never too late to start loving yourself and you're only ever one decision away from a completely different life. This podcast is brought to you by Promises Behavioral Health. If you or a loved one are struggling with trauma, addiction, or mental health, we are ready to answer your questions and help you take that next step. Call our admission center at 888 888- Six four eight four zero nine eight, or visit us online at www.promises.com. Our team is ready and waiting to answer the call for help.